Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Good morning. So glad you guys are are here today and joining us. Uh, If this is your first time here, we're so glad that you're here today. Please don't get up and leave because Pastor Josh will be here back next week. Uh, You know, it's just a great opportunity to to let, you know, Pastor Josh and Pastor Wendy kind of get out of town for a couple of days. And we all need that sometime. Um, But I've got the honor and privilege to be able to kind of rein in and kind of finish our season um, season series. How many of you guys have enjoyed the series so far on seasons? It's been a really good series. Our verse for this series is Ecclesiastes 3.1 that says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So we're going to finish up this whole thing and wrap it down. We're going to talk about fall. Now I want to get spiritual just right off the bat. Let's just go ahead and dive into the, there's two things that I think of of the fall that comes more than anything else. Pumpkin spice and Ugga boots in Florida. Okay, I'm totally joking, all right? But those are the things that we think of in fall. It's easy to think of just uh, the, the, the craziest weather that we have in Florida. I was like, we don't even have seasons. I know when me and Pastor Josh were kind of working on this series together, I said, you know, I said this would kind of work and I think different parts of the country um, but from here, it just goes from freezing cold to like super hot. But we still have the series anyway. And a lot of times in the fall too, I always think of fall decor. You know, there's always that, there's always that neighbor. Y'all, y'all ever have that neighbor that the moment a season changes, you haven't even gotten to the holiday yet and you already see their garage. They're already dragging out pumpkins. They're already putting Halloween decorations up and you're like, it's August. <laughs> like the only decorations I want to see in August it's preferably anything with crimson that says Roll Tide on it. <laughs> hey, this is going to be the best evangelical message I've ever had. So for those of you who are booing, we will lay hands on you and get you saved before you leave here today. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Like that right there, I knew. I was like, I, I told my wife, get ready for it. I said, this is going to be the moment. I'll have the biggest reaction at the beginning, the moment I say roll tide. It always seems to do that. But that is what I absolutely love about our church. That is absolutely what I love um, about that season. It's just a great thing. But we're going to talk about fall today. And if you could just give me uh, a little bit of your time and uh, attention, I, I kind of want to center everything on a specific character in the Bible today. And everything is based out of Genesis 37 today. And we're going to be talking about the story of Joseph. Uh, now, if you've ever been in vacation Bible school or kids' church, you always, does anybody remember the song, Joseph and the Coat of Many Colors? Right, you guys remember, it's amazing on how much of those things that, that, that we learn from, from, from back in the day and the way things that uh, we, we teach things. And, uh, you know, so, sometimes people tend to get caught up on we always need the new and we throw out the old. But, uh, you know, one thing I think about that is like, but it's not like the old loses its anointing. 
right? Why not bring back some of those, those things that we used to hear all the time? And, you know, I was talking with some of the leaders in our kids' ministry, and, and you know, a lot of us are older and talk about things that we learned and, and how when we ask kids to look up stuff in the Bible, that they were, they were kind of starstruck of like, well, what do you mean? I don't, I, don't, I don't know where that verse is in the Bible. I don't understand. What do you mean books of the Bible? What do you, how many are? Like, they didn't know how to answer all these questions. And I said, you know, this is something that, that we do need to bring back. And for... At least a solid month, we added to the worship set uh, in there a song of kind of a modern, you know, sound for the kids, but it teaches them the 66 books of the Bible. Uh, and you know what's super interesting about that is the moment our team decided uh, to say, hey, guys, we'll give you guys Hope Bucks. If you know what a Hope Buck is, kids, if they do devotions, bring their Bibles, things like that. They're able to, to buy little toys and stuff at the end of the month. It's just a needle incentive. We said, well... Um, Let's see if you guys can name the 66 books of the Bible, and you should see, you should see the amount of kids in one month that can just rattle off 66 books of the Bible. I mean, I'm telling you, if that don't ever get your heart stirred up, and what's interesting is when I get parents that'll come up and say, I don't know what you're doing, but my kid's coming home and can literally tell me and teach me the 66 books of the Bible. I got my kids pushing me saying, mom, dad, we got to get my devotion done. We got to do this so I can get my hobucks. I'm like, that is what a church should be. It shouldn't always, it should go all directions. Because how many of you know your kids can teach you something? You can, right? And that's something that we're going to be talking about is our kids today. So we're going we're gonna to start off. Here's how I want to start the foundation today on Genesis 37. And we're going to put this on there. So if you want to start with me at verse 1, let's get into the context of the story of Joseph. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed in the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph was a young man of 17, was tending the flocks of his brothers and the son Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brother saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood up while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and when he said what he said. Then he had another dream and he told his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Lord, I just wanna open up in a word of prayer, God, as we're diving into your scriptures today. Lord, that you just remove all distractions. Lord, that you speak to us today, Lord, like, you know, these words that are being said and, and the things that we're hearing today, God, it is not our tone, it is not our voice, Father, but it's that we're hearing you today. Holy Spirit, you're already in this place, and we welcome you and teach us today. And everyone said, 
Now, you know what's kind of interesting? We're going to kind of break down the context of this story, of the story of Joseph. Um, I couldn't help but think how this starts out. It's talking about his age being 17. Um, I kind of find this hard to believe because the way this scripture is saying, it's saying like teenagers know everything. And if you've ever been around one for half a second, that is a true statement. And you don't really know how to read into this, right? I could see going into this story that it could be, you know, either way you look at it. But I, I, if you ever look at the picture of, obviously, there's, there's a little bit of conflict with his brothers. I mean, Joseph is the youngest, right? He seems to be the chosen one, you know, later in life. Um, I don't know if you have multiple kids, but I, I have three. Um, I have 15, 13, and five yeah, there's a gap for a reason, because the Lord said, surprise, right? So we definitely have a baby in the family, and I don't know if you are the baby or if you have one, but if you deny that you are treated any differently, you need to leave right now, all right? It's, it's amazing the difference. Like there was this, uh, I can't even remember what the commercial is, and I remember seeing this, it shows this mom, and she's got a baby, and she's wiping down everything with Clorox and cleaning things off and keeping this away, and like, I mean, it's just this overprotective helicopter mom, and then it shows another kid, and is kind of doing the same thing, but you don't see as much cleaning, and then by the third child, she's at the shop getting her car worked on. There's a mechanic there covered in grease, and she just hands the kid over and said, here, hold my kid. And it's, isn't that right? Isn't that true sometimes? It's kind of amazing how some things go. It, it, sometimes it tends that when, when you have a baby, right, you loosen up a, a couple of things. It's, it's, it's like if they could literally get away with murder, um, they probably would. Um, our, our Declan is, is that way, and I'm sure his brothers, it absolutely gets on uh, their nerves, the things that we allow Declan to get away with, and they're like, you never let us get away with that, and I'm like, that's because we're old and tired, you know, and it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder if Jacob's dad was the same way, so obviously his brothers had a bit of an issue on this, so I can't imagine, not only is he 17, not only is there already an issue, but now he's coming in and saying, not only do I have a dream, but he's saying that I have a dream that you will bow down to me. Sounds like fighting words to me, and I can't imagine how his dad is probably like, that's just your brother, right? He's little, or how old are you? How old are they? You know, it's all the same stuff, I'm sure, Dad. But then it changes a little. Then Joseph comes back with another dream, and instead of the brothers, he's saying it's about the family. And now the dad's like, whoa. Okay, I get your brothers bowing down to you, but now you're talking about me. Now you're talking about your mom. So you can see there's a little bit of a, of a conflict, there's a little bit of a challenge that's, that's going on in that household. But see, what Joseph doesn't realize is what's happening is there's a gift inside of him. And that's kind of what I want to center this whole story. I want you to see the framework of this story, that there's a gift that's being birthed inside Joseph, but it's just a little immature at this moment, right? And as we're talking about seasons, Pastor Josh does such a great job breaking that we are all going through seasons in life, and this is one that sometimes can be the most challenging. 
I think we could probably sit here and debate all the other uh, seasons and say, well, this one's kind of more harsh than the other. But there is a lot that happens in fall. And that's kind of where I want to grab this today. So now that Joseph is sharing these dreams, right, he, he's, he's not seeking the Lord on this. He's not seeking counseling. He's causing a lot of rift. But then here's where the first thing starts to happen. So his brothers get so, so jealous of him that murder's the first thing that crosses their mind. Now, I am an only sibling, um, so these are things that I can't relate to. And anytime I say I'm an only sibling, here's what I hear from people who have lots of siblings. <gasps> you are so lucky. My gosh, you are so lucky. You didn't have this and that. And I'm like, yeah, some of that might be true. However, when something was broken, lost, stolen, they didn't believe me when I said it was a dog. I had no siblings to blame it on. I had no siblings to share chores with. You know, my parents uh, bought a dishwasher and a riding mower after I moved out. <laughs> what is that? Right? I didn't have so, I, I, get, I get having to take all the chores and I get to have to take all these things. But I can't imagine, I've seen my boys, I've seen the three of them. You know, you got all this testosterone, these boys, I've seen, I've seen friction. But I've never seen it to the point where they're conjuring up murder. That's got to be, to me, we could pause that and do another whole kind of story on malice in a heart. So what they decided to do was say, you know what, that might be a little too harsh because we love our dad enough. <laughs> not you love your brother enough, but you love your dad enough not to do that. So let's just, let's set up this whole thing like, what, that way the blood's on our hands. Let's act like an animal killed him and we'll take his robe, we'll put blood on it, and then, you know, we'll get rid of him, whatever. And then one of them had an idea and go, you know what, let's just, let's put him into slavery. That way he's gone. Well, this will be the story. Dad will be sad for a little while, but there will be no blood on our hands. Sounds like it's a great TV show, right? Big time drama. So here's already a massive challenge that is happening in Joseph's life. Now, as we jump on into the story, Joseph goes into slavery and he gets bought by a man named Potiphar. Now, here's where it goes to a whole nother level. This is starting in Genesis 39, and I'm going to kind of read some of the scripture. I'm going to put it on the screen because I kind of want you to, to hear, like you can't make this stuff up. So not only is Joseph has a gift from God, yet now his brothers who should be caring for him frame and, and put him into slavery to get rid of him. Now he is under slavery at someone else's house. But what's interesting is the, one of the first things it talks about is God still has his hand in his favor on Joseph even in this circumstance. And that's where a moment where I want to see, I want you to try to start putting yourself in a story. Here is, you can say it's a complete unforeseen circumstance, but some of this is Joseph's fault. Joseph is kind of causing a little bit of trouble, but the consequence may be a little severe, but yet God's hand is still on Joseph. The Bible says that he found favor in Potiphar's house. Potiphar saw him so much that he decided to put him in charge of his house. So things are already looking up, but it continues to get worse. Let me read this just for a minute. Here in verse 7, it says, Now Joseph was a well-built, handsome man. It sounds so familiar. Okay. Um, and while his master's wife took notice in Joseph, oh man, here it comes. 
She says, come and lie with me. All right, he's already in this house. There's favor. His wife sees something and goes to start something. But Joseph refuses. He says, with me, he told her, he said, my master does not concern him with anything in this house. Everything he owns, he entrusts with my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could you do such a wicked thing? Man, Joseph is just already laying it down saying, are you not aware of what's happening? There's no way I'm going to not only sin against my master, but I'm not going to sin against God. So Joseph leaves, and then Joseph, you know, comes back. He's around her again. But man, this woman is persistent. She decides to take this to the next level. So one day he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. It's kind of like she planned this. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran again. We could pause that and talk about another whole story again. Here this man is being strongly, if you don't think he's tempted, then something's wrong. Because if he wasn't that tempted and it wasn't that big of a deal, then I think the scripture could have said the wording a little different. That he just turned his back and walked out of the house. Oh, but it didn't say he walked out of the house. What did it say? He ran. Why do you think he ran? Because it was a temptation. I mean, that, we can stop right there on some of the things that we deal with. When we have a temptation in our life, you know what we, we tend to like to do sometimes? I think about like, I'm using this bottle of water, like this is the temptation. Instead of casting this as far as we can, we kind of like to keep it just out of finger's reach, just, a little, just, a, just enough where I, 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 I can't just easily go for it. But if I try hard enough, I can just get close enough. I know half of you probably grew up and definitely heard what happens when you play with fire. You get burned, right? So I love how Joseph is saying, I got to get out of here. I can't handle this. We got to go right now. So he leaves. So he's only, not only is he doing the right thing, but she has his jacket. And it kind of seems like people have it out for Joseph. What's the deal with the coats and Joseph? So you know what she does? She goes and grabs the servants and she says, this man came into my house mocking us and tried to lie with me and he left his coat. So she's setting him up. So she already told them they leave and then Potiphar comes home. She's in the house, has the coat laid there. She's like, boy, I got something to tell you today. Yeah, that servant, the one that you put over that house, she spun the exact same story. I can't imagine I really honestly can't imagine, like, what, what is Joseph feeling? Because here he is, he has these opportunities, and God has this calling on his life, and it's just one opposition after another. Now, um, in our Western culture, you know, we are so used to, we, 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 we can reasonably get anything that we need. Reasonably, we don't lack for anything. And yet, though, how many of us, and I'm talking about myself too here, like I, I, I like to be as transparent as I can. You, you, we, we go through a, 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 a season, and that season could literally be days, and we're like, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? What have I done wrong? What did I not do? And it literally could have been just a few days. 
We, we, we tend not to think that maybe things are a little, you know, it might not be as easy as we think it is. Right? Sometimes we think, well, when something negative is happening to us, it must be something I'm doing wrong. And I do want to be clear about this because I do think that people misconstrue this a little bit and go, well, you know, the Lord is not going to put more on you than you can handle. Don't let that lie creep into your life. Because how is he a loving father if he's sitting there going, I'm giving you this to teach you a lesson? If I'm giving you this time. Now, yes, the Lord allows free will. Any of us right now in this room can just get up and leave. Any of us in this room can say anything about Christianity that we want to and live. But that's what makes this religion different than any other religion that's out there. It's by a God who gave a grace that is 100% undeserving and it cost the giver more than it does the recipient. Man, I want to be a part of that religion. Like, that is exactly why I'm here today. But that's, I'm not going to jump off on that tangent too much. But yet we need to focus on what about the things that come on us and fall on us so much. And that's kind of what I'm seeing in the story. If you notice what's happening, Joseph has something, something falls off. Something, Joseph has something, and then something falls off. So the story continues. So guess what? Joseph goes back and gets locked up again. So going into verse uh, chapter, this is 41, uh, 40, uh, Genesis 40, uh, Joseph goes back to prison. Now, when Joseph is in prison, guess what happens again? He finds favor because the Lord has favor on him. So now he's in a whole nother environment, and the keeper sees the hand of God on him and sees there's something different with him. And while he's in there, there's two other prisoners that are in there. And these two prisoners had very, very distinct dreams. And the Lord spoke through Joseph on how to interpret these dreams. Because do you remember what started this whole thing? What started this whole thing? Joseph had a dream. So you can start to see something that God is giving Joseph. So he starts to share this dream, and he gives the interpretation. One of them is good, one of them is not so good, but it's the truth. So this spins this whole thing that's happening. So next thing you know, jumping into Genesis 41 is where uh, Pharaoh begins to have, this is two years later he's in prison, uh, Pharaoh begins to have some dreams himself. And Pharaoh is shooken up. He can't figure out what these are. These are very dark, very specific dreams. And later, he hears from the cupbearer give a testimony of this man named Joseph who is able to interpret his dream. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph comes and says, okay, are you sure you want me to do this? And he said, and I love how Joseph in the Bible also specifically says, let me be clear that it is not I that is interpreting the given or forecasting and, and reading these dreams. It's God. And I thought, man, how, I, I feel like that's a little bit of growth. 
I feel like that's a little bit of wisdom because Joseph could have said, absolutely, Pharaoh, right? Because the Pharaoh we heard when he was 17 was not very clear about that. He just said, I had a dream and let me tell you what it is. Now Joseph is being more specific and saying, it's not me, it's God. So Joseph shares all of these dreams. He gives everything and towards the end, it talks about the, the in verse 33, um, this is when he's speaking the dream. Very specifically, it says, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge in the land of Egypt. So he's talked, what's happened is there's a great famine that's coming that's part of this. You know, the Lord has actually given them like there's something coming. So you need to prepare for it. Now, I, I, I don't know about you. Um, I, I, I miss my grandparents. I miss getting, I'm the oldest of, of uh, four grandchildren. And I remember my, my grandfather, he, um, he was a retired fire captain. And one of my favorite things I remember was sitting uh, on the front porch with him and he had a scanner. And we used to listen to the scanner and the calls and he would tell me like, this is probably what they're doing or whatever. But I also remember going to church with him. And I remember them saying things like, man, look what's happening in our world today. I believe the Lord's coming soon. And you know what's crazy is now I feel like I'm in their place. And I'm not so sure everybody in this room would, everybody in this room would agree with that statement now. That is accelerating drastically. Technology, everything we have, if you turn on the news for half a second, which I please encourage you not to do, is put your eyes on the Lord, not them. Let them talk about everything that's coming because you know what? Just like the vision that Joseph was clarifying, if you read the book of Revelations, the Lord's giving you the same vision. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And the Lord is not doing that to terrify you. Just like this dream, he's not doing this. He is preparing, telling you need to be ready for a harvest. And it's not one person's job. It's everybody's job. Um, man. So anyway, he continues. So once Joseph gives all of this, I love, oh, this, this, is a, this is a really, really interesting verse. In verse 38, um, uh, Pharaoh is talking to his people and he says a specific verse. He said, so Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find, after, after the verse 30, um, sorry, verse 33 says we need to find a discerning man. He says, can we find a man like this that is equal to Joseph in whom has the divine spirit of God? And they're like, absolutely you can, it's Joseph. So then he puts Joseph in charge. And Joseph does everything he's supposed to do. He stewards everything. He, he, uh, he gets them ready for the famine. He gets them ready so much that when the seven-year famine hits, that you got people coming from all these different places begging for food to purchase food. They have such a surplus that he is able, that they're still able to profit from the famine because they work so hard in that season. But what's interesting is yet there's a family who shows up and Joseph recognizes them. It's his brothers. But they didn't recognize Joseph because it's been a long time since they've seen him. 13 years. And yet they're begging for help. And Joseph offers it to them. And then when Joseph walks up and they realize who he is, I can't imagine 
the emotion that came over them. I bet you it's a mixture of, oh no, but also a mixture of, he's still alive. Because there still had to be deep down inside of them. Because they didn't murder him, right? So they had to have a little bit of heart somewhere. So I can't imagine what they're having in all these emotions. Joseph had the prime opportunity for the comeback story of the season. He could have instantly got revenge back times 10. But yet he didn't. As a matter of fact, he took it a little step farther. He actually invited his father and his family. And Joseph blessed them. He invited them to live with him. Now, not only is that a story about grace, but showing what has went on and off, on and off, what's happened in Joseph's life. Um, how many of you have ever had those moments in life where you're finally like, you know what? I got it figured out. I got my plan. Anybody? 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 Me? Okay. So I, I, I remember shortly um, after Bree and I um, were, were married, I really kind of thought things were starting to kind of fall in line. I, I, was not, I was not the high school student that's like, I know what college I'm going to go to. I got all this stuff kind of figured out. I was the high school student that knew that if I get a 69.5, it rounds up to a 70. <laughs> and when you and I graduate, my diploma looks just like yours. Like that was, but I didn't know. I, I, didn't, I mean, it wasn't, I, I had a choice or was being rebellious. I just didn't know. I didn't know what God had for me. I didn't know what the plan was. And after life experience, life, things started kind of figuring out. And then I met this wonderful girl and she's going to college to be a school teacher and all that. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh. Like I have got to lock her down somehow because I'm over here working these deadbeat jobs, paying for all of my hobbies, and just, you know, I, I got to grow up at some point. So I started going, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And what was interesting was just like Joseph's vision, it's amazing how you can have a tug on your heart and it's a little misguided because you're a little naive at the moment. But I started having this feeling of like, I just want to save lives. Well, how do I do that? And it started looking into our technical college. And I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, so I thought, I want to be a flight medic. Like, I get to save lives and be in a helicopter? You know? Of course, I'm visioning, like, Mission Impossible. I want, I want the helicopter not be able to land, and I could rappel down from it and rescue someone. Like, never going to happen, but I thought that would have been so cool. So, for the person who, who could not hard, who could barely make it through school, I'm in this class. I'm, I'm taking all these classes and everything, and halfway in, our professor tells us, he said, by the way, you're going to have four semester exams. If you fail one, it's over. And I'm calling her going, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, there were 48 of us in that class, and 21 of us graduated. Don't know how I made it through it, but I did. But I got to experience some things that really shook me. I got to experience tragedy. I also got to experience great things, but it's amazing how I've used them in sermons and messages and testimonies and conversations. And I really thought I was on the right track. God, I got it. It's saving lives. 
And then just like so many of you, I was out of church just volunteering just because I loved Loved doing it. I was playing guitar, had a chance. A pastor wanted to meet with us, and we didn't have a worship guy. And I thought, I'm going to get the worship position. This is the plan for my life. And then it went sideways. Hey, we want you to be our youth pastor. I'm like, why would anyone choose that? And I'm like, so, but we did. We decided to put my, I had to put my job on temporary hold because obviously with shift work, I would miss Wednesdays and what have you. So for two and a half years, Bree and I served in student ministry one day a week, and the church just absolutely exploded. And then I got the phone call to meet with Pastor, and he will know if, uh, if I want to go full-time. So what I started realizing was, oh, it was saving lives, I just wasn't sure, I, I saw it a little differently. So we get into this ministry, this church grew and the, the problem with that was the church grew so fast, we didn't quite have the staff. So, uh, you know, I'm one of these guys who's like, I, I'm just going to figure it out. I, I, I was brought up with, 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 a, with a dad who was so smart, mechanically inclined, and I was just always learning to just figure it out. And there were so many hats in the church that I wound up wearing and, and taking care of because I loved the church so much. I was, never, I was never a no person. I'm like, you know, we don't have that, but you know what? I'll figure it out and we'll do it. And kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And next thing you know, I, I, I'm building myself on the inside of like, look what I've accomplished. Look what we've done. Look at the gift God has given me. So I can totally understand where Joe is at on this. And I totally thought I knew what was happening because I was next in line under the pastor. There was no one else. I was doing everything else. And I thought, yes, this eventually, this will be the church that we're going to take over and do all this. But things changed. The pastor kind of had a major theological shift. And it was enough where Bree and I said, I, I, can't, I can't follow that. This wasn't a little minor thing. This is... This is heaven or hell, theolo you know, theological issues. But what was neat was we were able to have a really good conversation, and he understood, and we decided that we got to move. We didn't know what that was going to look like. We didn't know. I, I mean, I, I'm not a ministry expert. I never planned on doing any of this. Didn't go through seminary, don't know how to apply for jobs for churches. I don't know how to do any of that. But luckily, I had a friend who was at a church uh, in middle Georgia that they were, it was a Baptist church, and they were kind of wanting to change up some things, and they saw what I did, so they wanted to know if, if, we, uh, if we would come up there, and uh, we said yes. And here we think things are, so it's almost like then we started finding favor with the pastor and a few other people there, and they were excited, and we were going to make changes, and we were going to re-energize, but they're like, however, we only want you to serve in kids' ministry. <sighs> You got to have a calling for that. And I was like, but you know what? I'm just here to serve. That's fine. So we did it, but then things started happening. There wasn't a lot of clear communication between the pastor and some of the church. So as I'm making all these radical changes, I think I'm doing a good thing and don't realize there's a lot of people in the church who are not for these things. And then almost just like what happened to Joseph, instead of the truth being told, we were the ones that were almost framed. Well, this is what they chose to do. And we're like, God, wh what? What's happening? And we knew that something had to happen. So we're, we're stuck and don't know where to go about this. And I'm trying to summarize this as fast as I can and going through this. But I remember praying and we had, vi we had visited Destiny way before that. 
and fell in love with that church and God spoke something to us about that. And I remember the moment that I was on I-75 driving. And I said, God, I know I'm supposed to be at that church. I know I'm supposed to serve under that leadership. And I said, God, if you can give someone the authority to part the Red Sea, you can speak my name. Let me tell you what was interesting. Bree and I were at a Starbucks, just having some downtime. And I had these questions. Why don't you just text Pastor Steve at Destiny, ask him a question. I'm like, I don't want to bother that man. That man's got enough going on. He don't really even know me that much. He just no do it. So I shot him a text and said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, Pastor Steve. I just got some ministry questions. Could you set me up with someone? Now, this is on a Saturday. Destiny has Saturday night services in, in Destin. Moments later, I get a text back from Pastor Steve Vigalis. He said, it's funny you text me because your name has been on my heart for two weeks. I mean, I started crying because God was like, I got you. Long story short, we go and serve wonderfully for years at Destiny. And then things started to change. Things started to fall off again and something else. And then me and Pastor Josh started having these very interesting conversations where no one was direct. We were, it was almost like we were feeling each other out, not really understand. But the moment we came together going like, I want to serve Crestview. You, don't, you want to serve Crestview? And I was like, yes, sir. He said, let's do this. I said, okay, let's do, let's, let's do this. Hope City, let's go. And I remember we were getting ready. We were getting ready for the, our, our very first event over at Twin Hills, and we're planning this whole thing. And we were talking about how many people you think are coming. And I said, Pastor Josh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I will be happy if 175 people show up. Oh, ye <laughs> of little faith. I remember standing on the stage with Pastor Leah before I welcomed my back is to everyone else and we're talking, we're kind of getting ready. And I don't know how long we must have been talking because there must have been this time war because there literally were maybe 100 people. And we're sitting there talking and I'm like, all right, let's pray this up. And then when I turned around, there was not a open spot and I went, God, what are we gonna do? And I remember that first team saying, welcome to Hope City, and I can still hear today just the uproar. And I can see my life, things come up, come down, come up, come down. But it's a season. Like, and that's kind of what I'm, I don't know, I don't know where your life is, I don't know where things are in your life, but things can go up and can go down. Things can fall off of you, while look at it this way, when there's a challenge, maybe the Lord is saying, let me take this weight off of you because I am a good father. Remember that. Let me take this off of you so you can handle this. I mean, I just went through, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate how things worked out, but I just went through a scare even with my own dad. Anytime you hear the C word, that's a little scary. And he just went through a, a, a procedure uh, last week, and a lot of you guys were, were, were praying for him, and they were able to they were able to get all of it. And that's not the first time we've seen miracles happen through this church. Ask David.
And I get that miracles come in all shapes and forms. Because I don't doubt there's people in this room that has prayed for that miracle. And by your perspective, it didn't happen. But how do you know it didn't happen? Sometimes the answer, you, the Lord's like, I will give the answer, but it's not for your eyes. I don't doubt for one moment how good God is. And the moment we get to heaven, I just picture God using the baddest TV ever invented, true high death, and goes, I want to show you things you haven't seen. I want to show you. I want to show you the prayer that you did that, that you thought didn't get answered. But because you asked for other people to pray, that group started getting prayer. And one of those people in that prayer had a family member hear them pray, and they were not a believer, and it sparked a conversation, and it got that family member saved. Therefore, they've met the wife of their dreams. They got their kids. They did this church. You don't even know that God's going to say, look, I'm telling you, I know you don't believe me, but watch what you did. And he said, I get you're tired sometimes. But what Joseph never, Joseph never gave up. What persistence. What what dedication. Let, 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 me, let me share you. This is why his lineage is so, per, so, so interesting how this goes on. This all backs up and starts with Abraham. Abraham who became a father of many nations. But even though God showed him that, Joseph, uh, I'm sorry, Abraham didn't believe that. So Abraham got impatient and does what we all do and goes, you know, well, God, if you don't want to do it now, I'll fix it. So him and his wife work together and say, you know what, why don't you sleep with someone else, have a kid, and we'll fix it. That should work. Well, we know how that story changes, right? And later, Abraham finds favor, and he has his son, Isaac. But then Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. We all know how that story goes. Look at, what, look, look at Jacob here. Jacob not only deceived his brother, but also deceived his father. Major disgrace. And then later into the story... Tables are turned, Jacob has, a call comes back to him, but what made it a little different, and I love the part of this story, and this is where we need to grab it sometime, the Bible says that Jacob literally wrestled with God, enough to where the angel even broke his own hip, and Jacob said, I refuse to let go till you bless me, God, but it wasn't a demand, it wasn't like, bless me, God, it was, I need that blessing, so when Something is falling off of you and you're feeling so heavy. Do you ever take that moment to say, God, I'm not going to let go. I need your blessing today. So not only did God find favor on Jacob so much that he changed his name to Israel. And he had a son named Joseph. If I can just be like a real human being with you guys for a minute, do you see, can you put yourself in any of their stories on the unreal amount of times that we screw up? Yet God still found favor. Yet God still blessed their household. Even though things fell off and on, off and on. See, I grew up in South Georgia, so we had all kinds of agriculture, and we always had pecan. I say pecan, some say pecan. It's pecan. Whatever. Even though, I, they're like, how can you be from South Georgia and you say pecan? I'm like, because pecan just sounds, I know I'm a redneck, but that's way too redneck for me, okay? 
But I don't know if you've ever seen, if you if you've ever seen how they harvest pecans. They had this machine that literally grabs the tree and shakes the stew out of it. I mean, it's so, it's, it's neat to watch because I'll wait for that tree just to, because it shakes that tree so hard. And it looks violent. And it even looks like it's to the point where it's going to break the tree, but it doesn't. Even though it looks painful, what it's doing is getting something off so something new can come out. It's, 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 it's almost like, so if you are feeling that shaking in your life, maybe because God is saying, we got to get that off because I got something new that's coming out. So, but there's another side to this and this is kind of how I want to close with this today. Before, let me, let me read this key thought really quick. We have resources, but God is the source. Man, that's where we may have messed up so many times in and out of these seasons, is we try to find what can I do, how can I fix this thing, and God said, you're messing this whole thing up. You may have options, you may have resources, but where do they originate from? Me. But here's the flip side, and here's not only do the things fall off of us, but let me read. This is one of my absolute favorite verses in the Bible. This is starting in Hebrews 12.1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, strip off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence, the race that is set before us. Focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of faith. So this whole verse, these two verses, is centered around what are you doing? So not only do things fall on and off of us, But how many of us are picking stuff up? How many of us go, I can't lead my house the way I need to lead it because of what I'm carrying? How many of us is saying, I can't give because of everything I'm holding on to? But in this passage, it's talking about running a race. And we don't run a race for crowns, medals, trophies. We we, we run it for one phrase. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. But you can't run when you're holding all of these things in your life. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we struggle with the things we have? Because sometimes we're dealing with so much emotional baggage, emotional struggle, we we can't continue to move forward, which brings me to this key thought that what you think you're losing for loss, you're actually losing for growth. How often, how often, when I say we as believers, do we honestly sit 
still for a moment and literally be honest with God. The moment like you're being honest with your spouse, a little too honest, or even kids or for that matter. How many of you sit and be honest and have a conversation with God like he's a real person because he is? Sometimes we get too holy and then we miss the whole mark into our prayers. How many of us sit and take that moment and simply say, God, I'm tired. I can't keep carrying this anymore. Just because of what happened to me in my past, the things that I'm going through, God, I, 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 can't, I can't carry it anymore. But you got to listen for a response. That's the thing. We, we tend to go to God and go, God, I'm going to give you all of my problems. Here they are. God, here they are. And he grabs them and then it becomes a tug of war. You know why it becomes a tug of war? Because the more you have your hands on it, the more you can control it. And maybe that's the point. Is God said, we got to work on this trust thing here. Parents, this is one of the scariest prayers that I have ever prayed. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this too. Have you ever taken the moment and truly said, God, I I trust you with my kids, with, with my own flesh and blood. God, I trust you. No matter what happens, God, I, I do. God, I trust you with my spouse. I trust you with those that I love the most. But do you say that trust while you're still hanging on or do you really do it? So God, you got this. I get I guess I was trying to think how we were going to finish this because we all go through it. But I think what will help you get through some of this is you're not going through something just for you. You're going through something for somebody else because you may be that conversation. You may be that testimony. You may be that example that rocks someone and changes a generation. It, it may be, but you know what? You can't run that race. You can't run that race if you're carrying all this junk. So here's what I want to do, just for a few minutes before we go. Pastor Leah is going to sing a chorus to a man, a song that I just remember for years. It's such a good song. And the chorus He'll say, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Because it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. It's not about my physical ailment. It's not about my bank account. It's not about anything that's going on on Facebook or in the world right now. God, it's all about you. So here's what I want you to do. Let's everybody just bow their head and close their eyes for a moment. And I want to give you two minutes. I want to give you those two minutes that I'm giving you right now. Your kids are being attended to. They're being, they're being led. They're, getting, they're having a great opportunity right now. So this is a good opportunity to say, God, I'm tired. 
get this off of me. I'm tired of all the emotional problems that I've been having, all of the things from the past. God, I'm wanting to absolutely let it go today. So let's go to word and prayer. Spirit, let your presence be known in this place today, God. Jesus, we're praying for freedom. We're praying for redemption. Lord, I pray that every chain falls off today, Father. If everybody would stand up just for a moment. Here's what I like about worship. It gives us that moment to release. So here's why I encourage you. Take your hands. Put your hands up just for a moment. And we're releasing everything to you, Jesus. Lord, as we sing, Lord, for a little bit. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you. I love this part. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I made it. And it's all about you. Let's sing that again. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Come on. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Because it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made. And it's all about you. It's all about you. So you know what's amazing? And I'm sure I'm not the only one. At the moment you began to lift your hands and sing, you can just feel it come off. But yet when we leave here, we don't have that moment anymore because it's all about us. It's all about let me carry that weight and run. When I love the simplicity of the lyrics in this song, how there's even acknowledgement of the things that I've done wrong but it's still all about you. My prayer for you is that as you leave this, it's you're leaving it here. Whatever emotion, physical, mental, whatever it is, can be gone today. That's it. It just takes a little bit of trust. 
things will go up, things will go down in your life. But I'm telling you, if you keep your eyes on God, instead of looking at the problem so much that where all you can see, if you were to turn your eyes to God and say, God, I am going through this and this stinks right now, but God, what are you trying to show me? It will change the way you're going through that valley. Isn't there a part in the Bible say, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. It didn't say pitch a tent, build a building and live in that valley. No, it says walk through it. Because that valley you walk through, you may be able to give somebody directions of how not to go through that valley, but they never would have known that unless you made it out on the other side. Man, what a mighty God that we serve. Amen. Let's go to a word in prayer. Lord, it is all about you. Lord, it is the heart of worship that we seek. It is your heart, God, that we seek. I love, I would love to be even half of what David was for you to say, man, David is such a worshiper that he is a man after your own heart. But Lord, I lift everyone up here as things go up, things go down. That you keep our eyes focused on you. Not on the past, but we're looking forward. That we gain wisdom and understanding. We may not know exactly where our feet are going right now, but if we trust you, we can't go wrong. But Lord, show us and help us find better ways to trust you. And everyone said, I hope you guys have a great week. You guys are dismissed. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.